That was so, so great. Hey, how many of you, how many of you were blessed by the stories that you just heard in the Vow experience? You got to try to hold it together as, as pastors, even there on the front row, because we know each of these students, myself, Dan, and David Perkins specifically, and Stephen Davis. Well, you have a connection in Pastor Blake Buttry in 1910 Church, and we, Pastor Jason Brown, who was baptizing people in that video. It's so powerful, the story that can be written in your life if you just turn over the reins completely, 100% in surrender and submission to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Are you guys alive? You're well. You're awake this morning. Everybody feeling good? Hey, let's hear it one more time for Pastor Amy Perkins. You just brought the house down this morning at nine and Bethel, uh, or the artists of Bethel, <laughs> William and Stephanie are going to be back with us for the three o'clock session today. You don't want to miss it along with uh, Rich Wilkerson Jr. who's going to be preaching. And so please join us for that. Hey, this morning, I want to go right into the right into the word of God and we'll wrap this up, eat lunch and come back for three o'clock uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Hebrews 11. I have my little family on the front row. Octavia, just stand up real quick. And, and maybe you saw my little superstar daughter. All oh, seven seconds of fame that she had over here as the child being held in a diaper. That's the only time you're going to see our child in public in a diaper. You know, play that. All right. So, uh, and also I just have some really incredible, all my friends from the Ch Pearl Church in Denver, just stand up. This is Pastor Doug Lassett and Asim and Elisa Trent. They drove in dear, dear friends of mine in Octavia's and, and the Perkins and Desperation General. Thank you guys for being here. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go to the word of God. Verse one, starting at verse one, a familiar passage to some of us says, now faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Now through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Verse 4 says, it was by faith that Abel, everybody say Abel, Abel bought, um, brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Now, although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Verse 5 says, it was by faith that Enoch, everybody say Enoch. Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that God rewards those who diligently seek him. Verse 7 says, it was by faith that Noah, everybody say Noah, built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Now he obeyed God who warned him about things that he, had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, I want to skip down to verse 24 here. It says, it was by faith that Moses, everybody say Moses, 
When he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. Verse 27 says it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Hey, this morning, I just want to call us to this place of being reminded. I think we would, I think we could all agree that there's something pretty impressive about people who do great and extraordinary things, right? Does everybody have a hero kind of in your life, whether it's a person you know or somebody you've read about? Raise your hand if you got any any heroes that just kind of come to mind. Every single one of us, I think our culture and our generation as well, we're always looking, every generation, for those who stand out from the crowd, those who make sacrificial decisions to live their lives in such a way that it causes causes them to do something that has never been done before. It doesn't mean it couldn't have been done before, but nobody was willing to pay the price. Nobody wanted to practice as much. Nobody wanted to maybe pray as much. Nobody wanted to go through the level of preparation, but it's not that it could not have always been done. It was just that nobody had done it before. Can I get an amen? Are you alive this morning, desperation? Y'all know y'all gonna talk back to me this morning, right? Do we gotta go through the whole introductory thing? I don't even think so. Okay, great. And so, so we're, we're always so impressed with, with people who possess this, this sort of, this grit on the inside of them that drives them to do what they could not do just out on, in the everyday circumstances, just kind of, you know, there's something supernatural on the inside of them that causes this, causes them to be frustrated with status quo, to be frustrated with normalcy. I did not give my life to Jesus. I did not, I, I, I love Pastor David Perkins' message. He preached it a couple of years ago. I think a good message is like a good song. We just need to hear it lots and lots of times. But this idea of tithing your teen years is so much to me. And several on our staff, I love Amy's story of, wow, that was one of the messages sitting at Desperation Conference where I begin to tithe my teen years. I begin to forego just normal things. Why? Because I know that I was intended for more. Because I was not built for normal Christianity. And I'm just here to prophesy to every single one of you and tell you your generation was not built, destined, or purposed to live normal Christianity, normal church as usual. It will not work. And so, and so there's this, there's this thing that God just puts on the inside of us that when we spend time with him, that, that, that causes us to live this this kind of say I won't spirit and attitude. And it's almost like this say I won't, but, but watch me. You're going to watch me do it. You don't have to believe in me. You don't have to, you don't have to see a whole lot. You can look at me and see one thing, but because I know my creator and I know what he has promised over my life, it really doesn't matter what you see. It's what I see because God has revealed it to me. Amen. So this say I won't. So I, so I think 
this this morning, I'm just I'm just wondering if we have any kind of say I won't people in the audience in the audience today. Uh, that, that I mean, like students maybe who would who would stand up like right now. Maybe get get in the aisle and have this kind of thing that says like, you know what? Say I won't. Say I won't. Watch me whip. Come on, say it right you now. Already you already know who it is. Come on, let's see the best whippers in every. Silento. Come on. Where's Silento. the best whipper in like section nine? Come on, push your body in the aisle. Now watch me whip. Kill it. Now watch me nay nay. Okay. Now watch me whip. Whip, watch me, nay, nay. Why me do it? Now watch me whip. Okay, section one, watch me, I nay, nay. see you. Okay. Now watch me whip. Okay. Whip, right watch me, nay, nay. Can you do it? Now watch me. Oh, watch me. Watch me. Oh, watch me. Watch me. Oh, watch me. Watch me. See, I just, I just think there's some, see, all of us, we're, we're so, especially those sitting, it's like, my God, I can't believe they did that. What? Don't you know decorum in church or just bring it down? And just people like turn down for what? And so, no, don't play that. Okay, here we go. And so, so you guys, I'm just saying there, there is something that, that God places on the inside of us that says, you know what? I refuse to be normal. I refuse to look just like everybody else in my generation. Say I won't and then watch me do it by the grace of God, by God's power in my life. And, and so, you, you know what? You know what I love are, are great examples. How many of you just love examples? You know, just kind of give me like give me give me something I can pattern. I can pattern my life after it, it, it was it, it's interesting because. In elementary school, I remember this in math class, arithmetic and figuring out, you know, times tables and division and addition and subtraction. Now I went on to actually teach algebra for, for eighth graders, for, to eighth graders for a space of time. But I remember in kindergarten, whenever the teacher would say, you know, like, you know, five, you know, or, or like eight minus three, you know, is five, you know, these were abstract ideas. And so she knew, you know, I like food. Okay. So she'd be like, okay, Brandon, you know, if you have eight Snickers bars, I said, all right, I'm not a count now. <laughs> I love chocolate. And, you know, and, and if I take, you know, five Snickers bars from you, how many do you have? And I said, oh, three. You're going to give me my five Snickers bars back. You Give me my stick. Give me uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Six, give me all my eight Snickers bars back. You know what I'm saying? Because I needed examples. There was just food and me just go together, you know? And so examples, I love in the word of God where we have examples to pattern our lives, to pattern our lives after. Now, the author of the book of Hebrews, largely unknown, contested, maybe Paul, maybe Barnabas, uh, maybe a couple others. But, but he's writing to a group of Christians, Christians who are formerly Jews, who are Jewish Christians, who are following the way. And now there is this severe persecution that is happening. Because in their day and age, it wasn't cute to be a Christian. It wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Nobody was celebrating them. Saying, all right, all the Christians, come on this way. They were celebrating. 
braid them right to crosses and burn them together. You know what I'm saying? Or, or burn hot oil. And, and so, and so what was happening at this point in the book of Hebrews as he was writing is that they needed some encouragement. They needed some examples because they were right on the verge of perhaps potentially giving up, throwing in the towel. And so the writer of Hebrews begins to remind him, even in Hebrews 3, he says, Be careful then, my dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every single day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. See, for the writer of Hebrews and James, the brother of Jesus, the life of faith has always been a life of action. The life of faith has always been a living, breathing, moving deal that happens in our life. It's not a prayer that we pray whenever we're four years old. It's not a decision that someone else has made for us. It is a conviction that comes from revelation, that comes from illumination of the word of God that says, I must follow God. I will follow Jesus. I will give him everything and I will do whatever it is that he is calling me to do. I will read the scriptures and I will actually dare to believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, if he did it in the word of God, he is still doing those things today. And could it just maybe possibly, potentially be that he wants to use me to do something great in my generation? Maybe, just maybe. And so, and so in Hebrews, as he's just kind of reminding us, I want to remind you guys that youth was created for heroism. You were created to do great things. Ecclesiastes calls us to serve the Lord, serve your creator in the days of your youth, to do great things for God. And so some examples, both from the Bible, I want to give you some, even from more recent history, you see, what am I talking about? Maybe, maybe you haven't heard Lecrae's song. Maybe you weren't here for Andy Minio whenever he's saying on Wednesday night, say I won't, and then watch me do it. So I think there's kind of like this, I call Hebrews 11, the say I won't kind of, kind of lineup of Christ followers. It's people who kind of stood out of the crowd and said, God, whatever it is that you are asking me to do, and I know maybe you're not asking me to. Maybe I'm asking you to do even greater things because it's revealed in the word of God. That's what I want to do with my life. That's what I want to give my life, my time, my purpose, my future to. And so I think as we go through history, some other people that would kind of be included in this, in this say I won't lineup. See, see, say I won't lead a march across Edmund Pettus Bridge in protest to racial demonstration, discrimination, and injustice concerning the voting rights of black people. Martin Luther King Jr. Say I won't march across a bridge three days after me and hundreds of others were just beat in the face with billy clubs, but because I know that God loves justice and that God is for righteousness, say I won't show up again three days later. And see an entire nation begin to shift and laws be brought into place. Honoring all people. Say I won't. Start a prayer meeting in a small, obscure chapel in Wales in the early 20s. Say I won't. Begin this prayer meeting 
not even knowing that the outflow, Evan Roberts, of this particular prayer meeting would literally turn a nation upside down. So much so to where businesses started closing during church hours because nobody wanted to go to the stores because everybody was so passionate and literally intoxicated with the presence of God that stores began closing down whenever the churches would open. Say, I won't, and then watch me do it, says the life of Evan, of Evan Roberts or say I won't become the first democratically elected president in South Africa. Nelson Mandela, after entire years of the apartheid movement, whenever we didn't even have, but say I won't and then watch me do it by the grace of God. Say I won't after a wedding. This lady gave birth to her first son 11 months later. Her son died. Next spring, she had a second son and, 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 and devoted all of her attention to him. Seven weeks later, he died. Three years later, had a, had a birth of a little girl. Then she died. Two years later, second little girl. This girl almost died, recovered. Then had another baby, was burned to death because the babysitter left a gas lamp on in the house. And in the midst of grieving, in the midst of grieving, Phoebe Palmer said, God, you give and you take away whatever it is that you are doing, that you are allowing in my life. I have chosen to, to, to follow you in the midst of everything. I choose to believe that you are working this out for my good. See, say I won't become a Phoebe Palmer and become one of the most influential female evangelists in the mid-1800s, she was dubbed the female version of Charles Finney in terms of influence and preaching and power and revivals and signs and wonders, a message of holiness and surrender, not running away from God. See, say I won't go through the fire and come out with a fire on the inside of me. Say I won't! And then watch me do it. By the grace of God, say I won't be the son of a slave, blind in one eye, but because I had heard about the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Spirit, say I won't because I'm an African-American male and at this time in this particular part of our nation, he couldn't even sit on the inside and listen to the teachings, but say I won't demonstrate such hunger for the presence of God that I will sit outside of an all-white Bible study, but because truth was going forth, I'll sit outside of the Bible study with my ear to the door, come on William Seymour, but then go on to be one of the founding fathers of the Azusa street outpouring in 1906 one of the greatest moves of god in pentecostal history say i won't and then watch me do it by the grace of god and i'm just wondering perhaps god is extending an invitation to us as desperation you know, it's not just a cool name. That what does it mean? The desperation. What do we do? No, we 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 want to live lives. It's not something cute to do whenever you're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I'm in my 30s, and I still want to be one who is desperately 
running after the presence of God and motivated and driven by this hunger and this thirst because I have seen, I have tasted and seen God is good. Amen. And so, so in Hebrews here, I'm so glad God has given us examples. I want to give you four examples and we'll wrap this up. Everybody say Abel. Abel. Why is it that Abel, Hebrews chapter 11, as the writer of Hebrews is starting to write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the first example that he could come up with as it goes all the way to the beginning of the Bible is Genesis skips over Adam, skips over Eve, skips over Cain, and the story really starts. The first person kind of inducted into this say I won't hall of fame is Abel, the son of Adam and Eve. What was so great about Abel? What has caused Abel to be included in this say I won't lineup? Again, keep in mind his parents have been passed over, and brother, family, I want to submit to you it had everything to do with his worship. Abel was a worshiper. We know this because of the sacrifice that he brought to God. It was something that was pleasing. One of my favorite songs off the recent Banner album is, is, is it Break Open, John? Uh, I will not give, I will not give, I will not give what costs me nothing. I'll pour out my life. This idea that real worship, see what's, what's powerful about Worship is the first time that it's actually even mentioned in Genesis. There, as much as we love to sing, and I'm a worship. There were there were no music. There were there were there, there was there was no Caleb Culver just lighting it up on the keys and and, and you know Hindi on the drums and Kuching. And there was there was a, there was a knife. There was a sacrifice, and there was an altar. And that was the idea. That was the picture of worship. And it still is today. See, Abel had made it up. If we are going to be Say I won't type of Christ follower in my generation. Where do I start, Pastor Brandon? I'm so glad you asked. It starts from the place of worship that you would make up in your mind. See, I just made up my mind years ago. Whenever I don't know what to do, I can worship. Whenever I don't know what to say, whenever I don't know why these things are happening in me or through me or all around me, or if I've messed up or made mistakes, any sinners in the place today, anybody ever sinned before and you, yes, and you know you're redeemed by grace and, and, and What do we do? What does God want from me? How do I get into this say I want hall of fame? It is a conviction in your heart that no matter what I feel, no matter what the enemy says about me, no matter what people say about me, I will worship him. I will always worship him. If I don't know anything else, I will worship him. Jesus said it prophetically. I believe it applies to this generation. The time is coming. And even now, the time is that the true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks long searches for such. If we're going to be, say, I won't, Christ followers, we will, like Abel, point number one, we will learn how important it is to worship God on his terms and not ours. Because if we do this thing right, we realize that worship brings us into the presence of God. And 
the presence of God is our ideal, ideal environment. Everything just works better whenever we live in his presence. Amen. What is what? Gosh, I wish I knew. What worship, you know, worship. Worship is many times prayer. It's oftentimes kind of communicated as, as inhaling. And, and worship is, is exhaling. And so I pray and I worship. It's a two-way, they're connected. It's really hard to have one with, without the other. So if I'm going to be a say-I-won't type of Christ follower, You'll learn this all-important truth. You've got to worship God on his terms. What is it? Again, idea of worship, sacrifice. What is it that he is calling you to sacrifice? I'm not talking about your youth pastor. I'm talking about your small group leader. I'm not your mom, your dad, your grandparents, the person next to you. What is it that God has required of you as worship to his name? What is a sacrifice that he's called you to lay down and say, God, take this. It's yours. If you don't want me to have it, I don't want it. I'd rather have your presence because I'm a worshiper. So we worship God on his terms, not ours. Second person, everybody shout out at me, Enoch. Enoch, Genesis 5 is where we find the story of, of Enoch. And Enoch, this story is a, it's a trip because if, we, if you read about Enoch, it's a mess because you just say, okay, it, we're in a part of Genesis where it's going through the lineage. And so, and so the pattern is, you know, Brandon lived, you know, 10 years and then he lived you know, 90 years and then he died. And then, you know what I'm saying? Then David lived seven years and then he lived, you know, 58 0.9 more years and then he died and then and so live lived died but then in Genesis whenever it gets to Enoch it says he lived X amount of years and then he lived and then he was not for God took him not died God took him what is it about Enoch I've often wondered what it is about Enoch that the God of the ages would make a statement and make a decision to say, I love him so much. It's one thing for him to be on earth and me to be omnipresent and for me to enjoy him. But it's a whole nother thing to say, I enjoy you so much, Enoch, that me from my throne in heaven, I've got to have more of you. So as you are walking with me, Enoch, just keep walking, just keep walking, keep walking. And I will take you in such a way that I've never taken Anyone else because of your wholehearted devotion to me. Enoch, what was it about Enoch? I believe that we find it in Genesis chapter 5 because it says that Enoch 5, 22 and 23, it says, for Enoch walked with God. I believe that the Lord is looking for a generation that will walk with him. That will walk with him. What do we mean by that? If you go on a walk with somebody, not a run, and you say, come and sprint with me. It is a constant, intentional stepping day in and day out. There are moments where we speed up, but the overall is this, uh, this is my, I want to walk with God. I want him to be responsible. I want him to be my partner. I want the Holy Spirit to be my partner on every decision, every major decision in my life. And, and, and gosh, God, if there's anything that's bothering you, if there's anything, God, I believe that God walkers 
would have conversations with God. Sometimes that looks like this. God, is there anything that makes you uncomfortable in my life? And if so, take it away. I dare not make you feel uncomfortable. You're my best friend. I want to honor you. I want to worship you. I want to walk with you. Enoch walked with God. So what's the big idea? Secondly, verse 5 says that Enoch pleased God. In Hebrews chapter 11, he pleased God. Then the author uses the life of Enoch to springboard into this short devotional teaching in Hebrews 11 on what it takes to please God. Now I know we must all know that God loves every single one of us, but there's something that brings delight and pleasure to God that we sometimes don't talk about for whatever reason, and it's called faith. So because my Bible and yours say without faith, it is impossible to please God. I don't care how cute you are. I don't care how good your voice is. I don't care just how rich or poor. Faith. God looks into us and he loves you. He adores you. Blah, blah, blah. It's amazing. But, but there's something whenever God sees faith in you. Because, because faith is that thing that is on the inside of us that resonates with what, who God is. You see what I'm saying? It was by faith. You know the author of Hebrews. By faith the worlds were framed. And by, by faith he spoke and said, let there be faith in who? Faith in himself. There's something about whenever we walk in faith that it brings delight and pleasure to the heart of the uncreated God because he says, that's my DNA on the inside of you. Faith can only come from him. So it's a response to what he's put on the inside of us. And so Enoch, point two, Enoch. Enoch lived as a living, breathing contradiction to the current culture. A living breathing contradiction. There was something so different about Enoch. It caused people to wonder. And I'm just saying, could it be that God is looking for that in this generation? That there's something about your life that rebukes, stands out, pushes you out of the crowd, makes people a little bit uncomfortable whenever you walk into the room. And you don't have to have a brash or harsh personality. But because there is fire in your eyes because of what you have been beholding. What's in your eyes is a direct result of what you've been beholding. Oh, come on, somebody. That's why whenever we behold him, behold him, the more we look at him, the more we gaze upon him. The more our eyes, our appetites, our desires, our hunger, our thirst becomes more towards him. One of the number one things I think every youth pastor and youth leader could attest to and is teenagers saying, well, I just don't feel God. I just don't, I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't, I don't, well, you know, you know what, you know what, you know, uh-huh. Okay, so see, there's, there's something, see, the root word of disciple is, 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 is discipline. You see, so, you know, for all the athletes in the house, well, I don't feel like going to practice. Because, oh, you don't feel like going to practice. Just don't come in, little Johnny. Your feelings are so precious. <laughs> 
And so you just take a break. Matter of fact, you take a break for like the rest of your life and like, don't come back to my team because we, you know, so there's, and so there's, there's something, there's something, and that doesn't mean, oh gosh, there's this legalism. No, 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 no. There's something that, you know what? Once my decisions, the decisions that I make, all the, the, the emotions, the feelings, somehow over time, they just begin to line up. So you get more and more hungry for what you are eating. You desire more and more and more of what you are filling yourself with. And so if we're going to live as a contradiction, a living, breathing contradiction to our culture, th- then we just, we live differently. We do things a little bit differently from the world. Amen? Amen. The third, the third person pressing on here is Noah. Everybody say Noah. It says that by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, this is awesome because Genesis, this, this part of the story uh, that summarizes Noah's, Noah's life is Genesis 6. It says that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord and walked with God, perfect in his generation. See, Noah didn't exactly, didn't exactly fit in. They're one of the most powerful points, even in the, in the story today, or, or, or even in the vow experiences, whenever students would make decisions to say, I'm not, I, I, I've, just, I've just stopped trying to fit in. You know, it's exhausting trying to please people around you. Are you looking at one of the, I mean, I just, I, I mean, years and years and years, so it's just like, what can I do to make you like me more? I mean, I care. It's a big deal to me. And, but it's exhausting. And so there has to be a decision at some point to say my worth, my value, my identity, it's locked in. It's rooted and grounded in the word of God. God, what do you have to say? about my life. I was just recently sharing with a young man, just kind of recently giving his life to the Lord during the, I was at the gym one night. And so just sharing with him, we started praying and the Lord just started just speaking things to him prophetically. He's weeping. We sit on the stairs at a local gym here in town. And, and one of the things was just that, you know, how do you, how, how do you get to kind of where you are? And, and, you know, I, I don't even know who I am. And with tears, literally, because I remember being in that place because this gosh, you know, it was almost like, was how do you know who you are so well? And I just looked at him and it caused me to reflect in my own, in my own journey and walk with the Lord. There's not a whole lot of days that go by in my personal life, that I don't look at God in prayer and say, tell me again, tell me again who I am. I know you just told me like two days ago, but Father, would you come tell me again, who am I? Tell me again, why do you love me? Wait, tell me again, what did you call me, me? Tell me again, God. Tell me again. It's that type of dependence. It's that type of leaning into the person of the Holy Spirit. It has to be resident in our heart. We're going to live out this say I won't Christianity. Third point here, Noah. Noah did lots of good things, lots of wrong things. But here's the cool thing about Noah. Whenever God told him to do something as a response to something that had never been done before, i.e. rain, (laughs) God, Noah, I want you to build a boat. 
Noah got, what is a boat? Noah, it goes kind of across the ocean. Oh, yeah, 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 because there's oceans and stuff. But Noah is going to rain. God, what is rain? I, I don't understand. I know oceans. I know sea. What? Well, it's going to rain. But God, what is rain? Just build a boat. Build a boat. Build a boat. An ark. Build the ark. Okay. To say yes to him. Even whenever it doesn't entirely make sense to you or those around you. It will set you apart. So many teenagers, whenever they kind of come, and gosh, you know, God's asked me to do something radical, and it seems so ridiculous. I think a lot of times youth pastors and youth leaders, we're like, well, you know, let's kind of calm them down a little bit, and then we end up dumbing down the promises of God over their lives. Honestly, I've been there before. And so sometimes I think it's kind of push them and say, hey, wh- why don't you take steps in that direction? Because many times it's not even about what God is calling you to do. He is looking to measure your obedience. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Come on, somebody. And so what do we see in Noah's, what, what do we see in Noah's life? The third point is to quickly obey. Everybody say obey. Because delayed obedience oftentimes becomes disobedience in God's eyes. But we kind of put off and then weeks and then months and then, you know, whenever the Lord's kind of told you to do something, especially sacrificial. All right, you know, I just, you know, let me just counsel this through for about three years. No, we, we quickly obey because God's looking to see, do you trust me? Quickly obey. The last one here, two points on this guy's life, and then we'll close this thing up. Everybody say Moses. Verses 24 and 25. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he left the fleeting pleasures of sin. We're going to talk a whole lot about sin. It's kind of like not really in vogue right now, Christianity, whatever. Uh, but, but, But for the writer of Hebrews, it was a defining characteristic in the life of Moses to say goodbye to my perpetual, habitual nosedive, intentional leaps into sin. I I want that no longer in my life. See, Moses made it into this say I won't hall of fame because Moses, two points here, he broke his ties with the world. We break ties with the world and say I want Christianity. And verse 27 says, I love this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. It says, for Noah, 27, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. You know, we are, I mean, we're just drunk. We are intoxicated on what can be seen, aren't we? We love pictures. We love Videos, our newest, you know, thing is Periscope and live videos, and I'm for it. I Periscope, I love it. William Matthews Periscope's like 30 times a day. It's awesome. I like it. I send him billions of hearts, and everybody else tells Periscope and everybody. But, but it just kind of speaks to, we, 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 we are drawn many times to what we can see, and that's all good, as long as our higher gaze is on what cannot be seen, at least in the natural Colossians 3, set your affections on things uh, above. Set your eyesight and your gaze on that which cannot be seen in the natural. And I'm just asking you, what is it that you are 
What is it that you are seeking in your everyday life? What is it that you are beholding? What are you looking at? And so on in Moses, break, breaking ties with the world, leaving Egypt, seeking that which is invisible. Again, these examples, and there are so many more throughout the word of God. I don't have time to get into all of them, but I wanted to give you a couple more examples by way of video here. We saw in the vow experience, but I wanted to kind of give you several more examples of students that we personally know who've said, you know, say I won't. And then watch me by the grace of God overcome. Watch me by the grace of God. So if you have that clip ready, you can play it for us. Say I won't be the first person in my family to stay pure. Say I won't overcome the snare of drugs. Say I won't say no to suicide. Say I won't hear God's voice over lies. Say I won't be alcoholism, anger, and violence. Say I won't overcome homosexuality. Say I won't use my right to pray in school. Say I won't stop smoking weed. Say I won't. Overcome abuse. Say I won't lead a Mormon to Jesus. Say I won't outlive a life-threatening diagnosis. Say I won't give up baseball for my faith. Say I won't prepare the youth of the nations for battle. Say I won't win my entire family to Christ. Say I won't empower my generation to reach the nations. Hebrews 11 says this, verse 32. How much more do I need to say? See, it would take far too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. Verse 33 says, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms and ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. Go to the next verse there. Quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. 35 says, women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips and others were chained in prisons and some died by stoning and some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword and some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, 
wandering over deserts and mountains and hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. You know, this morning, desperation. A few thoughts to consider as we get ready to close up here today. How's your, how's your worship? What's got all of your attention? How, how's your life compared to, compared to the world? How's your obedience level? Have you broken ties with the world? Are you seeking that which is invisible? See what I love about this generation is that there is a level of faith on the inside of you. If someone would just say, hey, you're empowered and you're released. You see, it can be you that can beat alcoholism and anger and violence by the grace of God. And it can be you to lead the next person to Jesus Christ here on earth. And, and I don't care what the enemy has told you. Maybe you're struggling with gender issues or homosexuality or sexual immorality. It can be you that overcomes the nasty lies of the enemy and what he would say over you. You are destined to overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. See, it can be, see, it can be you. It doesn't matter what has happened to you. Doesn't matter who's put their hands on you. Doesn't matter what's been spoken over you. You can overcome whatever level of abuse the enemy has tried to assault in your life. Or maybe it's you who's the seed for your family. Maybe it's so hard at home because you're the only one living it. Like for real living it. But say I won't win my entire family to Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God and the power in the Holy, of the Holy Spirit on my life, watch me do it. Maybe it's you who walked into this place in the chains of depression and suicide. Maybe you have been there whenever you're real honest and the mask comes off. And you've toyed with these crazy ideas as well because of the lies of the enemy. See, say I won't say no to suicide and watch me live the full amount of my days to the glory of God. Say I won't. Say I won't stop smoking weed. <laughs> oh, you don't think it's a big deal. Oh, because Colorado legalized it. See, say I won't, say I won't live under the ordinances, rules, regulations, and descriptions of the kingdom of God instead of the laws of the land. Say I won't! And watch me do it. Say I won't, especially in this day and age, 
where it's just kind of, wow, your virginity is just kind of not a big deal. Purity is somewhat of a depreciating commodity, at least to the world, but in the kingdom of God, it actually gains more value. See, say I won't, I don't care what everybody else, even in my family, much less my school, has a, say I won't be the first in my family to live pure before the Lord and watch me do it because of God's grace. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. There's anything in you that resonates. I believe that there are several in this room who know that you have a calling of God on your life, who know that this idea of faith defying with the lies of the enemy that have been spoken over you to overcome in those areas that seem impossible. I believe that God wants to inject you with his faith this morning to where you would step out and say, no, 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 no. Normal status quo Christianity, it's not for me. I wasn't built for that. I can't do that. You do that. If it worked, do you. But, but, I've got to live at the next level. See, I've got to live in radical obedience to the Lord. I've got to live with the power, the anointing, the Holy Spirit upon my life. I so want to dare to believe that God can do the impossible in and through me. Not just everybody else, but through me. God, pick me, choose me, anoint me, send me, and I will go. If that's you and you're in this place, we don't have a lot of time. I want you to make your way down to the front this morning. I believe that God is going to meet you by the spirit of even impartation to put the level of faith on the inside of you that matches the purpose that God has for your life.